0: The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business.
1: And on August 21st, you can join other conservationists all over the world in supporting Community Conservation Day. It's a day for anyone to give their time and or dollars back to their local ecosystems and favorite conservation causes. For more information on how you can participate, visit fishandwildlife.org. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And today's episode is a fun one. We, we kind of cover a, a variety of topics. I'm looking for some input on a turkey hunt I had recently. We talk about the, uh, the bison hunt, or not hunt, uh, that they are using in Grand Canyon National Park. And Jeff actually came across an article online about hunting slang terms and you know are they regional are they not do you know what they mean sort of thing and so he kind of quizzes us on our our hunting terminology or 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 hunting slang terms and uh to see if we know what they mean so lots of fun and and uh interesting stuff in this one i guess so before we get into that i want to talk about our sponsor monster whitetail grub so monster whitetail grub is a deer feed company and they've been a sponsor of this show for a long time now and we really appreciate that but more importantly we appreciate that they make a good product and they try to source everything right here in ohio so i really like that it helps keep money here in the state and you're getting a good product so they've got their signature monster whitetail grub feed we've had really good luck with that They've got flavored corn. They've got straight mineral. I know a lot of people are running mineral in the springtime. So lots of options. Check them out. Go to OhioHuntsman.com slash sponsors, and you'll find a link there to get in touch with them and try some of their stuff. And you ordering from Monster Whitetail Grub helps us out. So that, that's one small way that you can uh, sort of show your appreciation or... Um, kind of give us a thumbs up is by supporting our sponsors so with that let's get into this week's episode welcome to the ohio huntsman podcast where three brothers jason jacob and jeff discuss all things hunting in ohio our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of ohio as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way this is the ohio huntsman podcast are you listening? All right, so today we've got a a handful of different topics we want to cover. And the first thing I want to start with is I want to get your guys's opinions on my latest turkey hunt. So, and listeners feel free to, you know, chime in when you hear this, send us a message or whatever on what you think I should have done. Or how I should have handled this, but I guess let me let me lay out the scenario. So, <clears throat> if if you've listened to past episodes, you've heard I got I got permission to hunt the farm field behind my house. So, it's mostly farm field, just mostly open field, small you know couple acre lots out by the road, and then big farm field um, behind. It, 80 to 90 acres or something, I think. So the back corner of this farm field. Well, the back corner of this property, there's a pond back there and some woods. And on the the one end of the field or the one end of the pond, there's a bunch of pine trees. I think white pines, I think they're, you know. Big, tall pine trees. And that's what forms the back corner of this field. Then if you come off of the back of this field, probably, oh, I don't know, I'll say 100 yards maybe. There's a little, basically you're coming off the field, the back of the property or the back of the field far enough to get around this block of woods and this pond. There's a little finger field that comes off the side that's i don't know 200 yards long by let's say 80 yards wide the
0: okay and this field like is has woods on three sides of it is that
1: the main field or the finger field the finger yes okay so okay.
0: i'm just drawing the picture in my head here
1: Yes. So if we're looking, let's say, let's look at a, um, a rectangle, right? Let, the top left corner of this rectangle, there's a pond and it sort of forms a, let's say a small rectangle in the top. Then below that rectangle where the pond is and a little bit of woods, there's this finger field. So I've got the pond and woods above it. I've got neighboring property woods to the left of it and there's a like a little drainage swale and then once you get up out of the the wet area there's another couple rows of pine trees that were planted so that's what forms the like the bottom barrier if you will if you're you know uh, of this like little finger field so anywho hopefully that's sort of lays it out the rest of it is is field the right side of this field is just a, a narrow tree row and another field kind of fallow field at this point at least back in the back where this where I was um, <clears throat> the left side of this field is you know woods slash people's backyards and behind this field there's more field like depending on where you're at there's um you know like an ag field and then again like another sort of unplanted kind of fallowy looking area so we had this was this previous sunday which i don't know listeners you'll be hearing this well after this but We had high winds and then the winds were going to, so high winds in the evening, the winds were going to die down, clouds and stuff were going to roll out and it was going to get cold that night, you know, like lows in the thirties, like low thirties. I think the low was like 30 to 30 degrees or something. So I texted you guys and said, you know, uh, do you think the turkeys are going to sort of seek out? pines to you know because trees aren't all the way leafed out yet as a way to kind of get out of the wind and you know what do you think my odds are going back there and I think Jeff you had said you know open fields they'll feel safer in that area I've got these pines so I thought I'm going to go back there and try to shoot a turkey so I get up Saturday morning moon's bright it's not a full moon but um three quarter moon or something I'll say and mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's bright out you know it's dark but it's bright out and I know I'm basically going to head back to this back corner I get he's got a little mode path that runs to the back cuz like I said there's a pond back there that they I don't think they do anymore but it it looks like they used to use it for you know, family get-togethers go back there and spend the afternoon. You know, he's got um, like what looks to be a uh, like an old permanent outhouse back there that he built and mode area. You know, kind of a kind of a picnicy type spot, picnic tables back there, that kind of thing. Okay. So, anywho, I get about halfway back this mode path, and there's like an island of trees right there, and I figured I'm gonna try and make some noise to see if I can get a turkey to gobble back there. So I, I did some owl hooting and stuff, nothing. I thought, well, I'm just going to head back there. I, I get back there and, oh, I guess the other thing I should mention is my alarm volume somehow got set to like 14%. So it was like whisper quiet. So I, overslept a little bit i mean i still got out it was dark but i guess by the time i i got back there you know it's getting kind of daylight i stopped on the end of this first section of pines again al hooted nothing i walk a little farther and get on this little finger field and so i'm on the let's say the lower edge of uh this finger field that goes off to the left and the, that other set of pines in the pond is on the upper edge. Okay. I, I get about halfway down this this finger field, and I've got my mm. um, pot call. And I start mel- making some, you know, little clucks and yelps. Nothing. I take a few, you know, I don't know, walk 10 more yards or something. A few clucks and yelps, and... Wow. He's I'm basically underneath of him. He's in that second set of pines over by the pond. I'm on one side of this little finger field, he's on the other. Like I said, it's like 80 yards away and it's wide open field. It's starting to get daylight now. I mean, I don't know that the I'm trying to remember what time it was. I mean, it was it was getting kind of light. So what I did I'll tell you what i did and then i want to would you guys have what would you have done different so right where i'm at <clears throat> um in this little low drainage area there's a you know a smallish tree that had fallen down so there's like a a down tree top right there so i quick throw my decoy out my my hen decoy in the field probably 10 yards off the edge of the field and i dive down into this treetop I I get in there and I get set up and sat quiet for a little bit and you know because I'm I'm thinking shoot he may have saw me I mean he's right there and I'm hoping I don't you know maybe he'll, he'll forget about it or whatever so I sit quiet there was apparently geese on the pond. As it starts to get light, they start honking more and more, you know, getting more excited. And right as they're getting ready to take off the pond, I think they're, you know, excited, honking, whatever, he gobbles again. And then I think a crow flew over or something and he gobbled at that. Can you see him at this point? Or you're just No. You're I cannot see Judging him. Okay. So you, you know he's in the pines across the field but you don't have eyes on. Right. And where I dove in like the the this treetop and brush is sort of I can see some of the pines out on the end, you know, closer like down into this finger field a little bit. But I can't really see the main chunk of pines. So I'm sitting in there I'm starting to make some calls and stuff and I hear him gobble maybe one or two more times and I can, and the, the gobble's different now, right? Like I, I'm, I never, I figured I would hear him fly down. I never heard him fly down, but the, the gobbles are different. So I'm assuming like a little more muted. I'm assuming he's on the ground now. Made a few more calls and I think, I think I heard him drumming at one point, like I heard it wasn't like, oh, that was definitely drumming, but I heard a little bit of like that, you know, like some sort of like a vibration type noise. I'm like, I think that was a turkey drumming. And I hung out there for probably an hour. Never heard another gobble after that drumming. You know, never heard any any more turkey noises, never heard any more gobbling, nothing. I finally got up and uh, kind of crept my way. I, I, You know, there's a there's a there's a role in this field, right? So the middle of the field is the high point. I'm on one side. He's on the other. And never saw him, you know, kind of snuck my way up over this role to see if I could see something, you know, I never saw a Turkey bust out of there. Never heard nothing, never nothing, nothing, nothing. So somewhere along the way, he wouldn't commit that last 80 yards or something. Um, what would you guys have done? Because I, I, every time I get my butt kicked by a Turkey, I'm like, man, I suck at this, but I'm like <laughs> bound and determined just through sheer force of will to become a good or at least decent turkey hunter. So what would you have done differently, if anything?
0: So I'm very aggressive in closing the distance on turkeys, you know, because I, you know, cut my teeth down South where basically any, amount of distance you're trying to call a turkey there's something that's good that it's going to get hung up on right you know so i'm a lot more aggressive than probably other people in getting close you know um you know i hear a gobble i don't sit down and try to call to it i run towards it basically and Once I'm close, then I, you know, once I'm real close, basically, then I sit down and call, you know, depending on how noisy the woods are. Typically in the spring, the woods are wet, you know, it's been raining. So I can move fairly quickly, fairly quietly. But I like to get real close. But crossing an open field like that with a bird that you think is roosted, I don't think I, I think I would have tried to call him across the field. I don't, I don't think I would have tried to, you know, close any distance there.
1: Okay.
0: You know, I, I, and that's the other thing is when I'm calling in a bird and it seems to get hung up, I tend to, Okay, well, it's hung up, so I'm going to try to circle around. And, you know, if I sound like I'm coming from a different angle, maybe whatever's hanging it up, it'll, you know, be able to come around that now. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, I've found that turkeys are really stupid. They will not walk around something. If something (laughs) comes in in their way. It's it's over. They won't come around. You know, even if it's, you know, I can walk, you know, 20 yards that way and come around this thing. No, I'm not. I won't come around. I'll come to the edge of it. So, you know, you hit a, a rock face or a creek or a, you know, a, a large down tree and they they're stuck. But I don't think I would have done anything different in that case. Um, the only thing maybe different I would have done is I
1: might have sat down what? Well Not yeah. overslept.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know, I might have done that. It's it can be hard to get out of bed for turkey season. It's early. Yeah. Um but I'm I might have immediately sat down and started calling aggressively. Okay. You know that, that would that, that's the only thing I probably would have done differently.
1: Is I probably
0: would have sat, you know, it, it gobbled at me calling. I'm going to keep that line of communication, you know, alive.
1: Yeah. So do you think if the turkey saw me, would it have. Because my thought was like, did the turkey see me? And so. You know, like, one part of his brain's like, well, I hear a hen over there, but I'm pretty sure I saw a dude over there, too. So, if that hen is interested, she's going to have to come to me because I'm not going over there. Or do you think if he saw me, he wouldn't would even have entertained any of it?
0: I think had he saw you, you know, he may have gobbled that one time, but he wouldn't have gobbled again. Okay. You know. Had he saw you, had he been nervous, you know, if you were shock gobbling him, that might be a different story. But if you're actually calling to him and he's gobbling, I don't think he was nervous. I don't think he saw you because I've I've had Turkey, you know, bust me, you know, like because because I'm aggressive, you know, where I'm trying to close distance and it's like, oh, hey, I. You know, I thought he was another 50 yards away, and he wasn't. I just ran into him. Yeah. You know, and that that bird never makes another peep.
1: Okay. Yeah, so in the moment, what was going through my head was like, well, there's a good chance he saw me, so I need to get hidden. But then I was like, well... You know, that was kind of the scenario that was playing through my head, like maybe he saw me. And so instead of sitting down right where he saw me, basically, maybe I should have dropped back into this other chunk of pines, you know, and maybe went out onto the end or something, you know, to where he he's not going to that spot where, you know, he maybe saw me. But that's a good point. If he would have saw me, he probably wouldn't have entertained any of it. And so he may have been like back, you know, cause it's a, I don't know, say fairly good chunk of pines, but if he was on like, let's say the back chunk of pines where it starts to turn into woods again or in the woods, he wouldn't have been able to see me where I was. Cause then I would have thought, you know, all these things as you're sitting there, like, well, should I try to crawl out, out of this treetop and like, crawl up to this rise in the field and get a poke at him or something or and my fear was like he's so close I'm in this like dead treetop I'm gonna make some noise crawling out of here you know sticks breaking and things so I just I don't know I didn't but I didn't close the deal on the turkey, so I did something wrong. <laughs> so, all right. Well, like I said, listeners, if you if you have had a similar scenario, or you know, what would you have done differently, or what what should I have done? So, let me know because I'm like I said, I'm bound and determined to uh, get better at this turkey hunting thing. So. Other things we need to talk about. Uh, Jeff, do you have a preference on. Because we've got two other topics that we want to cover. Do you have a preference on which one you want to start with?
0: I, I said we'd talk about the, the bison hunt. And okay. I think that's. S- what.
1: Yeah, so I had seen some stuff come up in my news feed about this bison hunt. And I'll be honest, I, you know, it was like. Oh, that's interesting, but I didn't click on any of the links, so so I know very little about it. But it is does sound like something we should at least mention. So, do you want to kind of run through what what's going on with that?
0: Yeah. Um, so, the Grand Canyon National Park is asking for volunteers to lethally remove bison. Um, from the north rim of the canyon. So what that basically means is the National Park Service is asking for people to come hunt bison inside the National Park. It's a lottery system. Okay. And they're going to select 12 individuals to go hunt bison.
1: Um, so... This is, uh, like I said, lottery near Grand Canyon touristy spot, right? Yeah, um, yeah. W- just the the bison population is getting too high. Are they having a detrimental effect effect on like vegetation or things there, or or did they give any uh, information on? why they're doing this yeah
0: so basically i mean they're having a detrimental effect on uh the canyon itself you know they're basically uh loosening stones um and then yeah they're they're compacting the dirt to prevent natural vegetation from growing okay and the bison are smart enough to know that if they go into the adjacent national forest, they're able to be hunted. So they have basically completely, they've used radio tracking collars to identify that these bison are completely residing within the national park. Okay. Like, they've learned their boundaries and won't go out of them because they'll get shot. Sure. So there is no other option other than to either trap and relocate them or, you know, lethally reduce the population. Yeah. So, uh, and... By the time this comes out, the lottery will already be over. Um, But the lottery, it's only a 48-hour window to apply. So it's a pretty quick application window. Yeah. Uh, But this is really interesting because this... Having volunteers, having people... You know, regular people uh, hunt to reduce populations in national parks is a very new concept. Yeah. Um, I believe the first time that it happened was just last year.
1: And, and what was that hunt?
0: It was mountain goats. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure it was in the Rocky Mountains, but I'm not sure if it was Rocky Mountain National Park or uh, Grand Tetons. Okay. But it was one of the Rocky Mountain, you know, one of the national parks in the Rocky Mountains. And that's actually kind of an interest. You know, I have an interesting antidote here because this whole hunting in the national parks thing is very new. Um, and I've actually talked to both people from Cuyahoga Valley national park and Rocky mountain national park about like, you have these overpopulation problems or you have these species you want to remove that you're paying to have people remove. Right. Like, why don't you just open up limited hunting? and both people said the exact same thing which is in order to have any sort of hunting in the national parks it would take an act of congress like the national park service does not have the ability to allow hunting like they we uh, that is not in our tool chest we cannot do that really yeah So I'm not sure what has changed, who changed rules, or how rules changed in interpretation. But, yeah, when we were in Rocky Mountain National Park, I wanted to see a mountain goat. You know, so I went and asked someone, you know, who worked for the National Park Service. I was at the Alpine Visitor Center. And I said, like, you know, how how could I go about seeing a mountain goat? You know, and they kind of beat around the bush a little bit, you know, until they kind of understood where I stood on this. Right. But they, uh, basically said like, I can't tell you where any mountain goats are because if I knew where a mountain goat was, it wouldn't be there anymore. Like, Mountain goats are not native to the Rocky Mountains, at least not that portion of the Rocky Mountains. So their view is remove them all. They're a non-native species that's harming the environment. We want them all gone. Really? So, yeah. yeah. So basically what they were telling me is if I knew where, where one was at, it wouldn't be there anymore because we would... Go and remove it. Right. You know, so once I kind of got into that, like, oh, wow, you know, that's interesting. You know, I discovered that, yeah, they're they basically when they identify one, they are shooting them from helicopters. Like Hmm. they go out over the Rocky Mountain, you know, when they identify where where they're at, they go out and shoot them from helicopters. So it's like, you know, this is crazy expensive. And you guys still can't find them all to remove them all. You know, it's like you just let hunters track them down. They'll they'll do a better job and they'll they'll do it for free. They'll pay you to do it.
1: Right. Yeah. You
0: know, and their base of the answer was like, yeah, like we're we're well aware that there's a. An opportunity here, but that's not a tool that we are were given. Huh. So this is all very new, um, and yeah, I I don't know what changed. Um, but the one with this bison hunt—that's interesting, exciting, whatever you want to call it—is you know there's been a change in administration, and. We're still, you know, in, in the president and we're still, you know, this these are still happening. Right. Yeah. Where, you know, because Trump was kind of famous for opening up a lot of hunting, new hunting opportunities, you know, whether whether you're for these new hunting opportunities or not. You know, um, he was very famous for it. So it's. This bison one is very interesting because, you know, the new administration hasn't shut it down. Like, I'm sure it's been in in planning for a while and they didn't come in and say, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Like, people aren't coming into our national parks that haven't had hunting for over a hundred years and hunting. Like, that's not happening. So,
1: boy, that's gonna be. Well, with in, any, with any of these, it just feels like uh, it, It's not gonna be without controversy. Well, in my understanding, Jeff, you can correct me if
0: I'm wrong, because I'm kind of with Jason. I haven't researched it deeply, but they're not only planning on having a hunt; they're planning on pretty darn near eliminating the entire herd, like. I saw numbers where they're like saying the herd's a thousand individuals and they're trying to knock it down to three hundred.
1: Like it's not
0: just twelve guys go shoot twelve bison. They're going in there to do some killing. Do some work, yeah. 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 I'm not I'm not sure of the numbers. Um I did read somewhere that each hunter is only allowed to keep one carcass. Right. I saw that too, and it may not be the one one you shoot. Right. And also that the hunters are responsible for retrieving the carcasses, um, but you're not allowed to have any pack animals or vehicles, like, to retrieve. So you're going, uh, by my understanding, is you're going to have to break it down and carry it out. You are allowed a removal team. Each hunter is allowed to have their own removal crew. Okay. But you're gonna have to break it down and pack it out, however, you know, far off the, the road you are. Yeah, now, all, as part of the application you have to self proclaim that you're physically fit. Oh really? Yeah, it's like one of the questions. You have to verify that I am in I forget how they worded it, but basically exceptional physical condition or something like that. Yeah.
1: So what are yeah. they uh, do you have you guys looked in like what's the cost to apply?
0: I I didn't actually see that anywhere. Okay. Um I the application is open currently, so I guess I could have went in and looked you know, I don't plan to apply, but it is currently open. Right. Yeah. You know, we're recording this in within the application window. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what, what the cost is.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, ho- I, like you said, hopefully whatever has changed uh, stays and, in- you know more more of the national park systems can start to use hunting as a tool to manage wildlife populations within inside park boundaries
0: right cuz i mean there's a lot of very well known examples of uh you know overpopulation within national parks
1: right
0: um Isle Royale or Isle Royal, you know, depending on how much of a redneck you are, is which <laughs> which way you pronounce that. Uh, you know, is famous for having you know the densest moose population I think in the world. Yeah, you, know, you basically can't walk five feet without seeing a moose, and right. I mean they they've tried introducing wolves to the island to, uh, you know control the moose and basically the wolves don't want anything to do with the moose. Every time they put predators on the island, as soon as the lake freezes, they leave.
1: See, I thought, maybe I'm thinking of a different place. I thought that was like one of the examples where people always point to that we need to help manage populations, including predator populations, because we had this moose problem then we introduced wolves the wolves ate themselves out of home and basically knocked the moose numbers so far back that it couldn't sustain the wolf population and all the wolves died or left or something and so it basically didn't work right it, it went uh-huh. the pendulum swung too far and that's why we need people intervening with like wildlife management, but maybe maybe I'm thinking of uh,
0: somewhere I mean, else. That's that's one way to spin the story. I think, you know, is that the wolves ate themselves, you know. But okay, that's 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 a way to spin the story. Um, but basically, what I've heard is, yes, the the moose population or has gone down from its peak. Um. But it's because they starved, basically. You
1: know? Oh, okay. Because there's nothing left to eat for the moose.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. There was nothing. They were overpopulated. They were overdense, and right, they okay. they starved. Um, okay. Because the the wolves. I mean, yeah. What what's not disputed is that the wolves that we introduce left the island. Okay and there's still too many moose on the island gotcha you know, i mean potentially when they were easy pickings you know m- maybe the the wolves would stay and you know uh, pick off the easy the old the sick the injured you know but once it was wolves trying to take down healthy moose they they didn't want to do that anymore there wasn't enough food and you know it wasn't easy that's not right. that's not an easy living making a living off of uh taking down a large animal like that
1: sure yeah okay we need to pause here real quick to talk about our sponsor Maston's deer sense so Maston's is a scent company i used to say Maston's was a deer scent company but they're not just a deer scent company anymore they also have predator scents, so scents for black bear hunting, scents for coyotes or bobcats, things like that. If that's something you're interested in, if it's something you want to try, or if you're a deer scent guy and you and you like using deer scent as a tool in your toolbox, check them out. Go to MastensDeerSense.com. Browse what they have to offer. Lots of different interesting scents as well as scent products. So, again, check them out. MastensDeersense.com.
0: And then to to bring this back to local, I mean, the Kaga Valley National Park is well was they have recently brought in sharpshooters to really, I mean, really hammer the deer population there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they've done a good job at reducing deer numbers, but once again, that cost a lot of money. Yeah, you know, your, your national park dollars that you think are going to, you know, preserve wildlife and wild areas and wild recreation are going to having people, you know, sharpshoot deer which is not what you think, you know, not what you think of when you think of a national park. Like,
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. You know,
0: that's there. There's there's nothing uh, natural about a uh, a deer feeder and a guy with a high powered rifle shooting deer at night.
1: And you weren't know, they like using that's... like scissor lifts or something so that they were shooting into the ground? Because there's.
0: Like, no yeah, I think. And... I think that's, yeah, they use the scissored lifts as, like, you know, makeshift towers. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's an easy way to just bring in uh, a shooting tower and then take it away. Yeah. You know, you don't have to build anything, you can just... And, and it's not, no one knows what you're doing, you know, like right, yeah. if you see a scissor lift at, at a national park, you think, oh, they're trimming tree branches or,
1: right, yeah.
0: you know, if you see a tower built that, you know, basically looks more like a, you know, a shooting tower, like, why is there a, a tree stand or whatever
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: in, in the national park? Like what's going on here?
1: Right, raises a lot more questions.
0: Right. So, it's it, it's definitely not what you think of. I mean, even hunting of any sort is not what you think of when you think of a of a national park. Um but I can definitely tell you that having individuals, you know, who want to recreationally hunt is a much more cost-effective way to reduce numbers than you know, paying a company to come in and do something that people would pay you to do so right Jeff to circle back on like you said, needing an act of Congress, I just looked at it real quick while you were talking and the way that they're getting by that is this is not a hunt. This is a lethal removal. Mm-hmm. so hunting is prohibited and we need an uh-huh. act of Congress to be allowed they're using lethal removal, which is a management tool that apparently is in their tool chest. But they repeat it multiple times in this application that this is not a hunt. This is a Mm -hmm. application to participate in the lethal removal. Um, and I was a little bit off on my numbers. It it's 200 bison they're trying or Buffalo bison. I don't know the difference. um, that they're removing, but they estimate the population to be three hundred to five hundred. So so half. still putting a serious dent right. in the yeah. putting a dent in it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I wonder what the different like what how are they distinguishing lethal removal from hunt? Like I guess maybe they're not just sending you out there here good luck, go find a a bison. They're like they're gonna take you out there and like there's the herd, pick one and shoot it or or what?
0: I don't I, think that don't, there's uh, much of a distinguish. Yeah, I don't think it's just they've always been allowed to lethally lethally remove animals, uh-huh. and now they've decided. Well, there's nothing saying that a volunteer, you know, it's got to be an employee or you know someone that we're paying. Like a volunteer could do this,
1: uh, and then
0: they're not hunting. They're you know lethally removing animals.
1: Interesting.
0: You know, I think it's just a a new interpretation of the rules. Yeah. But yeah, it's basically when I just quick skimmed through it, you have to. You have to be there for an entire five day period. That's part of your agreement. You have to because you're going to be assigned a week or five days, I think is what it is. And you have to attest that you'll be there for those full five days. So you can't just go shoot one and go home. And that during those why? five like, days, because they want to meet their management goal, I'm assuming, but it doesn't specifically say. It just says that you're testing one of the things along with a high level of physical fitness, is the way they word it, at
1: 8,000 to 9,000 feet. So, meaning you're. Oh, I have so many questions now. You're allowed to shoot. They you're allowed to shoot more than one, but you're only allowed to keep one. Yes. Like, okay. They
0: want you, I think, to shoot as many as you can shoot and pack out in five days. But I don't know that for sure.
1: Or but maybe you're going to shoot your to one, work. and they want you around then to help pack out the other ones or something. Or I don't uh, know.
0: volunteers, will be expected to work for an entire five day period, which will include lethal removal, field dressing, and hauling bison carcasses out of the field by foot without mechanized Ah. assistance. This is not a hunt, but a lethal removal of an overpopulated bison herd to protect park resources in accordance with the National Park Service. Hunting is illegal in the Grand Canyon National Park.
1: I see. Yeah.
0: Prohibited so I, unless such activity is specified in federal statute. And it goes
1: into all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So my thought is that, yeah, they're going to have you basically shoot one a day for five days. And on the last day you get to take home a carcass, you know, like, because it's, pr- it's probably a full day once you shoot one, it's probably a full day of packing out. Oh yeah. Like you're, you're, you're going to need to be a pretty physically fit dude. And yeah. well, and it says you can bring your own crew that, that whole crew is going to need to be pretty physically fit to pack out these animals. Yeah. Yeah. Bison yeah. are no small animal. Yeah. There's
1: a lot hmm. of weight that you're going to be moving. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, interesting. Interesting. All right. So the last thing that we wanted to talk about was, <laughs> this one should be fun, kind of get into a little bit of um, hunting slang or, or hunting terminology. So Jeff, you you said you had some uh, uh, some slang terms that you wanted to go through or... I guess I don't know. Did I do a good job uh, sort of teeing that up?
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's an argument out there that basically the regional hunting dialects, if you will, the slang, the regional hunting slang um, is going away and hunters are starting to speak a more universal language um, due to social media due to the internet and like you hunters being connected with hunters further away. You know, it used to, you would go to the local gas station or sporting goods store or whatever and talk about hunts. Like that's where you would hear, you know, consume most of your hunting conversation. Sure. Um, well, now, on the internet, you know, people talk about it on chat rooms or, you know, podcasts or YouTube, you know, so hunting, it, there's becoming more and more of a universal language. Right. Um, so I figured, and some people were kind of, this was uh, on the internet in this chat room, people were talking about like, what do you call this or that scenario type thing? So, yeah, I figured I'd go through a couple of these terms that have started to become more universal and uh, see if you guys could define them and uh, how you define them. Because sometimes it's what what I, you know, how I define this is completely different than how someone else defines this. Right. And I would
1: say, I would say this that's probably not an only hunting thing. I would say that's happening in any kind of subculture, right? Like uh, y- there's let's say surfing, right? There's like East coast and West coast surfing. There, there's probably was or is, I have no idea. I've never surfed, but like skateboarding in any, any kind of that, you know, uh, subcultures or maybe yeah. not even subcultures, but like I sometimes this is a little bit off topic. Maybe I won't go there, but <clears throat> I would say this isn't limited only to hunting. I don't yeah, know, I would, but,
0: but I would imagine I would this say happens that other places. Language in general is becoming, you know, there's becoming less different dialects because right. of the, the connectivity now. Yeah. You know, because of TV, you know, yeah, just over time, dialects are becoming more and more close to each other, it seems, because there's less and less separation between people.
1: Right.
0: So I think it's universal for language. Yeah. But uh, we'll start we'll start easy here with terms that I'm I I know that you guys know. Um, and then we'll go into some stuff where it's like, I, uh, you know, some of these I didn't know, or some of these I completely use wrong even, oh, you boy. know, so, uh,
1: I'm nervous yeah. for the ones that we're supposed to know.
0: <laughs> well, uh, okay. Well, a Texas heart shot.
1: Okay. So that's when you, uh, shoot them in the, in the, in the butt, in the bunghole.
0: Right, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, you, you, the idea, which, according to the internet, like, this stems from bow hunters. I thought that this was only, like, a rifle shot, but this stems from bow hunters, like, you, if you're hunting from the ground, you can shoot right at their, right at their butthole and hit them in the heart, which I don't recommend that shot, but. That's, yeah. Texas heart shot.
1: Okay.
0: You know, you you shoot them in the butt, and it goes straight through their whole body into the vitals. Okay. So, uh, and then Kentucky windage. Uh, Kentucky windage? Yeah. Uh, I can take a stab at it. I'm not sure what Kentucky windage is.
1: Well, I would my, say, go ahead. Kentucky windage would be like throwing grass in the air and seeing where the where it blows. So my my Kentucky windage is like instead of adjusting sights, you're just gonna hold to the right with a right to left wind or something.
0: Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's basically how it's used. It's, yeah, it's like you just kind of. Uh, you're not adjusting the site you're just holding just, over yeah yeah and you're not it's not precise at all it's not right. like oh you know i'm gonna hold over it's like yeah you know i missed a foot low i'm gonna hold a foot high right okay you know so That's, it's like holding over with a scope that doesn't have multiple reticles
1: yeah yeah i always thought it was more of like an open sight thing like ah eh, you know gonna hold i missed them whatever foot left i'm gonna like you said open i, I always like used it or, or thought it was in that more in that context
0: right right and uh, yeah a lot of these terms kind of have a little bit you know they they might mean a little bit something different to to everyone but in general hunters know what 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 they are uh, so the next one, I'm going to give you a, a scenario and you're going to tell me what it's called. Okay. Uh, you, you shoot a, uh, a pheasant on the ground or you shoot a duck off of a pond, like, you know, it lands in your decoys and you shoot it. Do you guys have a term for that?
1: They just talked on Meat Eater about, like, the arkansas it or something
0: yeah yeah arkansas and yeah yeah i was gonna call it dinner (laughs) (laughs) yeah well and i mean um yeah a lot of people because uh another regional one was raking and i don't know exactly where that comes from never heard that but yeah raking
1: okay what's next
0: well, uh, and along the Arkansas, you know, that, that one is a little bit... It used to be very regional. Like, basically, you always called ju- doing that your rival state. You know, oh, like whatever... God. Or or whatever state your, your state thought was the hillbillies.
1: Right, gotcha. You know,
0: so people from, you know, Ohio might have called that a Pennsylvania or West Virginia or a, a
1: yeah.
0: Michigan, you know. <clears throat> but... Uh, so then, Slickheads, do you know what Slickheads are? Does? Those are does. Yeah, okay. Uh, a Whistling Bill. I had never heard of this.
1: Whistling whistling bill? Bill? Yeah. This is an animal? No. Oh. Uh, I don't know.
0: But yeah, like I, I I'll use it in a sentence. Like uh he sent a whistling bill my way. Yeah, I I had never heard of this one. Which So is that someone shooting close enough that you can hear the bullet whistle? Yes. Yes. Specifically a a rifled slug. Huh. Like a which is another regional term, like a pumpkin ball
1: right, slug,
0: yeah. you know. Right. Yeah, is a is a whistling bill. I had never heard that, and I mean, people were just, you know, on on the internet. Everyone knew what a whistling bill was, and it's like, no, I have no idea. That is not something that's made it to Ohio, at
1: least. Yeah, it feels like one that we should know, but yeah, never heard that.
0: Right, because we're. I mean, we're a. Up until very recently, we're a shotgun only state. We, you know, that should be our, our term, uh, a scotch double. This was another one. I didn't know
1: scotch double.
0: Yeah. That has to do with uh, killing two, but I don't know if it's, what it's exactly related to i don't know if that's killing two birds at the same time or yeah you you basically nailed it it's it's shooting two animals with one shot i think
1: scotch double okay
0: yeah i think it comes from uh like sporting clays or skeet shooting like i think that's where the term comes from and then it has worked its way into hunting no okay but
1: yeah, scotch double. Uh,
0: and then in relation to hunting or fishing. Uh, see tax, this is what I'm probably going to need to have to use it a sentence, but like, oh, you know, I that one got taxed a little bit or I had to pay some tax on this one.
1: Um, I've not heard it, but. Based on how you used it, say maybe like maybe you didn't make a clean kill or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: with, based with, on how you used it, I would think you had damage, meat damage. Yes, that's exactly it. It's meat damage. Okay. You're you're paying tax because and yeah, I'm big game it's you know like I shot it through the shoulder you know had to pay some tax or on small game it's like you know you you really got a hold of it you you peppered it pretty bad so all this one's you know gonna get taxed like i'm gonna have to throw away some meat
1: gotcha okay
0: and then in fishing it's something took a bite out of what you're catching you know a lot of times with like saltwater fishing it's you know a shark shark took a bite out of it dolphin took a bite out of it yeah yeah i guess in ohio like a you know a muskie or a pike could take a bite out of your fish but you're you're paying tax huh okay and yeah uh let's see what else so this is another one this is one that i completely use wrong and uh One other person on the internet used it in the same way that I thought it meant, and they just completely tore this guy apart. (laughs) Um, So I didn't like jump on the bandwagon, like, yeah, that's what I thought it was, too. Yeah.
1: The internet's good for that, tearing people apart.
0: Yeah. Saying something is a, you know, a Texas six point, Texas eight point. Like, a buck is a Texas six-point or a Texas eight-point.
1: Um, a Texas six-point, I guess, would yeah. be, like, it's got three per side? Uh, uh,
0: so, in, in Ohio, at least in Western Ohio, you know, a lot of people may know this as a Michigan you know, Michigan six point or Michigan eight point. But it, it has to do with, you're basically saying that that deer is, was not a basket rack. Like it had wide antlers.
1: You know, it's,
0: it's basically the difference between a, like a little basket, like a basket rack buck and a, Mature buck, if you will.
1: So it's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Saying that, uh, you know, it's a Texas eight point is. What you're saying is I shot an eight point and it wasn't a basket rack. Oh, basically, which basket racks, another sort of regional
1: thing, like
0: not everybody calls them that.
1: Okay. but
0: yeah, the way I always thought it was was like deer that are shot in texas in generally have very narrow beams you know they're a lot of times they have they're they have a, a lot of their spread like they're wide but they have narrow beams so that's what i always thought like you know when you said it was a texas eight plane or a texas yeah. 10 point was like that it was a a buck with narrow beams, but you know, a large rack, but the beams were narrow. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, some, yeah, someone I do else... know. I always assumed I always assumed that it was I don't want to say insulting, but not a good thing. I assumed a Michigan, because I'll use Michigan, like a Michigan 6, because Bucks are mature bucks are few and far between in Michigan. In my mind, a Michigan six is, or a Michigan eight is a small six or eight point. I've never heard of a Texas six or a tech, but like if you compare it to a Michigan six or a Michigan eight, in my mind, I was thinking that's like a real thin antlered, immature buck. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so apparently, I used that wrong too. Yeah, yeah. This this one I completely had wrong. Like I, that's not what I thought it was.
1: Yeah, and I guess I was thinking like w- when because I, I I had never heard Texas six or Texas eight or whatever. I I'd heard Michigan six, but I like, I guess I was thinking you know, when I said three per side that like, you know, out West, they say like, oh, it's a four point, meaning it's got four points per side. Whereas in the East, you know, you just, it's an eight point.
0: Uh
1: Right. So like, I don't, I, when you said that, that that's where my head went like, oh, it's a Texas six, meaning it's, you know, out West, you'd call it a three point In, in the East, you'd call it a six point. I, you know, I don't know.
0: Right. Yeah, so that that one that one had a lot of diversity, you know.
1: Like, yeah. it,
0: and then a lot of the other the only other term that I saw that you know I I didn't know right, you know, because a lot of these terms it's like yeah that term's obvious, like what they're what you're talking about, right? You know, because like people said like basket you know, like a basket buck or a basket rack, like that's, you know, everyone in Ohio knows what that is, right? You know, potentially in other parts of the country, they might not know, but I, that's a pretty common, but the, uh, the hillbilly opener, like
1: I've never heard it, but if I had to guess, I would say it's like the night before the opener.
0: Yeah, it's basically starting too early. You know, like some people call the Hillbilly Opener like an hour before daybreak.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Or, you know, the the night before or you know, and that's like the evening before or yeah, you're night hunting or midnight or like yeah, like an hour before
1: like legal shooting light
0: legal shooting light is you know the hillbilly opener yeah okay and then yeah everything else was pretty common you know like they were terms we knew but yeah hillbilly opener i didn't which that one i was like yeah there there needs to be a term for that because you know like no matter what you're hunting if you're hunting you know waterfowl or deer mostly those two because you know there's these defined opening days right you know it's yeah there needs to be a term for those people who shoot early you know like today the the hillbilly opener started at whatever time you know because <laughs> <Right. laughs> we always talk about what time
1: yeah we heard, the, heard first the first shot, shot on
0: opening day of deer season
1: yeah yeah
0: but yeah we we don't really call it anything right you know because it's just oh heard the first shot at this time and it's always except for last year you know well before legal shooting line yeah you know at least uh 15 minutes to half an hour or more this past year i don't I don't think I heard a, a shot for the first hour, hour and a half illegal shooting like.
1: Yeah. That's a good one though. I, I think I can get behind that one.
0: Yeah. That 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 one was the one where it's like, yeah, like there needs to be a term for that. Like <laughs> right. I I didn't know that, you know. Yeah. And you know, a lot of this if if it wasn't for the internet, you know, you, if, if you don't, you know, you can get pretty regionalized terms, you know, because if you're, everybody goes to the same place, basically, to talk about hunting, you know, goes to the same, I mean, back in the day at check stations, everybody went to the same check stations and used the same lingo at that check station. Right you know, the, the terms that are being used were never getting spread beyond that small ecosystem, if you will. But now with the internet there, there's, you know, terms are being spread and
1: there's a lot of terms for, uh, a, a big one of something, right? Like a big buck or, you know, big elk. There's like, there's, Tons of different terms for a big one, right?
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, just off the top of my head, it's like, you know, I could probably name ten.
1: Yeah, we should. We should come up with a list and maybe like make a shirt or something. (laughs) Yeah, had all the you know, tank a toad, right?
0: Right, a hog.
1: Yeah, hog. A pig.
0: Yeah. Booners. Yeah. That was one thing. I, I heard someone, you know, talk about their brother shooting a hog. And, you know, they were talking <laughs> about a, a big buck. And I I knew that that person was talking about that. And I, I could tell that the other person thought that this person was actually talking about their brother shooting a hog. Oh, right. You know, and it was just a... Funny, you know, this was a conversation I was eavesdropping on, basically. You know, I wasn't participating in it. It was in college and, you know, two guys were sitting behind me and talking. And, you know, I could I could tell that they were not on the same page, but neither (laughs) one of them knew. Right. Yeah. You know. So.
1: All right. Well, that was a fun little fun little list to run through. So, I'd be I'd be curious if listeners have other other you know regional terms that they've heard or terms that they were you know using one way, but then found out the rest of the country or you know like. I'm sure there's lots of examples where like your camp, your deer camp or whatever, your group of hunting buddies use a term one way. And then you find out through the internet, TV hunting TV, whatever that like, Oh, most everybody else uses this term to mean something else, you know? So I'd be curious. Yeah, to one, what some of those other scenarios are.
0: Yeah. One that I got, you know, uh, looked like an idiot on is still hunting. You know, most of the country calls moving through the woods slowly, you know, and trying to basically sneak up on game, still hunting. Yeah. At, you know, down at the cabin, the local slang, if you will, still hunting is what most people would just call regular hunting. Like it's going and sitting in a tree or sitting by a tree or in a ground blind and
1: hunting stationary yeah
0: yeah it's stationary hunting that that is what still hunting is you are staying still and
1: which makes more sense
0: right it makes way more sense (laughs) (laughs) but you know because there's only there's only two kinds of of hunting down there you're either driving or you're still hunting right You know, and basically, if you're walking around the woods, even if you're not trying to push deer to anyone, you know, down there, you're still basically driving. Right. Yeah. You know, like they would, they would basically say that you're you're driving. You know, even if you don't know who you're you're pushing the deer to, you're still driving deer.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, like I said at the beginning, we had you know we had a handful of different topics to run through on this one so it's a good conversation and uh hopefully everybody's spring is going well and we'll talk to you next week all right that's it for this week I'm gonna keep the outro short this time and just say thank you thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week